Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. It's Bordy's Cricketing Labour of Love, the Hall of Fame. We have been absent with Hall of Fame episodes for a little while, but we have now prepped number seven to five in our esteemed list, which we're going to talk about after the swish. See you soon. Baldy, so a recap for our listeners who might not have, I guess, got uh, the Hall of Fame etched in their memories at the moment. We have been counting down the 100 greatest men's test cricketers of all time, according to an algorithm that has been developed solely by your fair brain and laptop computer. We are now number seven through number five on the list, so we're getting right into the business end. The format historically has been we've spoken about five individuals on each podcast we're down to speaking about three now to get a little bit more time in we've had six minutes on the clock normally we are going to up that now to about nine minutes on the clock for each of these individuals we've got two west indians and a south african on today's episode who is going to clock in at number seven on the Cricketing Hall of Fame. Well, can I just start by saying it's great to be back, boys, and let's get that timer going. Let's put nine minutes on the clock for a uh, West Indian cricketer, a West Indian batter, uh, Sir Vivian Richards. 121 tests for, for Viv Richards, 8,540 runs at an average of 50.23. 2,400 and a higher score in tests of 291. He played cricket for 18 calendar years. He had one good year, average over 40. Uh, five, uh, two excellent years, averaging over 50. Five outstanding years, averaging over 60. And one Bradman year where he averaged over 100 for a calendar year. So if, if there are new listeners to the pod, and when we talk about Bradman years, that's a cricketer averaging over 99.94 for a calendar year, and that was in 1979 where Viv Richards averaged 118 with the bat for a calendar year. Um, what do we want to talk about here, boys? Do we want to talk about – well, let's start with the average. Let's start with the average, 50.23. He does have 8,540 runs, but there are a number of cricketers on the Hall of Fame list that have a substantially higher average than, than that, Viv Richards. That was going to be my first question because you look at it, you know, you're – but uh, Binks, you mentioned the algorithm before. A lot of your numbers have been, you know, very stats-based. Mm-hmm. And you look at the likes of some of the recent batters on the list, Lara, mm-hmm. Ponting, Sangakara, all have far better Sig- averages. Significantly higher averages. Than, than, uh, than Viv. So yep. I guess, yeah, over to you. And you've obviously tweaked the algorithm and, and put some personal preference in here mm. or something has caught your eye. What is it about Richards? Because I think that might lead on to some of the stuff that we from the eye tests are going to talk about. Yeah. And I think I have made allowances for a couple of things. One is the prestige of being one of Wisdom's five greatest cricketers of the 20th century. I think you have to take that into consideration in terms of the prestige at which that was judged by his peers and by journalists and everyone around the world. I think that's, I think that's a relevant factor. Uh, but this is also not just about um, the longevity of his career, although he did play for 18 years and averaged 50 over the course of that period, which over that time is, is a significant achievement. 121 tests in the 80s is is very significant from well, a longevity I was say, perspective. If you played for 18 years now, I mean, you, yeah, you, I don't know. I mean, some of these guys like Anderson and and I mean, has he even played 18 years? Possibly not. Uh, yeah, would have done. So 2003 came on the scene. But yeah, let's not talk about James Anderson. Let's talk but, about... you know, there you go. He's so, played, so and he's played Isaac, Isaac, no, Alexander played Richardson. 50 more tests Richards, at least sorry? than, than yeah. Richards. Mm. So the other the other factor that I that I, that I kind of bought into was the, the projection of power, right? To me, Viv Richards, unlike any other cricketer I've ever seen, and I only saw him when I was really, really little, 
projected power and space like an aircraft carrier. He was just like he owned the whole ground as soon as he set foot onto it. All I don't know how many square metres a cricket field is, someone will tell me, but he owned every square inch of that ground as soon as he stepped on it and there was no ifs, ands or buts about that. He was the dominant figure in every game of cricket that he played ever and he played with some of the greats of the game against and with and there was no doubt in anybody's mind who the best cricketer on the field was whenever he took the field and that's why I have him so high. Not because... He averaged 50 and others had averaged more, but he was so much more dominant person in from a personality perspective to any of his peers in the world at that time. And he really changed the way players that came after him projected themselves, carried themselves on the cricket field because he did it and he did that before anyone else. Um, you mentioned the eye test. I did a, a little bit of an eye test, which was very, very satisfying to watch oh, him yeah. play cricket. Uh what really got me was I've, I've got it labeled down here as this incredible flowing stroke play. Like he wouldn't actually look out of place in today's world. Oh, no uh, just the way he hit the ball extremely hard, but while holding shape, it's actually mm. something really to uh, to behold. It's it, it's an, it's awe inspiring the power that he had hitting the cricket ball, and he and you're right, he hit it with what would have been described at the time as as traditional cricket shots, right? He kept incredible shape. He hit the ball with just a beautiful flow of the bat. You give him a modern bat and put him in the current Scary. T20 world, he would be as good as anyone today. And and at 55, or however old he is now... 71. Holy... Yeah, is he 71 now? He's certainly in his 70s. He still looks like he's no older than 45. He, he's an <laughs> incredible physical specimen still. He's an incredible man, Viv Richards. And look, I'm just in awe of him in terms of what he has achieved on the cricket field. And, you know, he's the seventh greatest test cricketer of all time. Is it fair to say that he might have been an even better one-day player than he was a test player, from a statistical point of view at least? Yeah, listeners will probably know I don't really pay too much heed to the stats, but I, I think in this instance I, I, there's a couple of things that really leapt off the page for me particularly when I kind of looked at some of the comparisons so a test match strike rate now his strike rate isn't 100% accurate I don't think on cricket databases certainly on Crick Info um, they missed that off because I'm guessing there were some games that there's might not have been ball by ball, ball. Tracking, yep. um, but it's around about 69 um, as, a, as a strike rate from a career that started, as you said, um, in 1974. So let's compare that against someone like Joe Root at 56, Ricky Ponting at 58, um, Steve Smith at 54, Kevin Peterson at 61. And then you go to the top echelon, someone like Adam Gilchrist in the early 80s, Verinda Saywag in the early 80s. So that for me is just phenomenal when you put it with that um, when you put it with that run tally as well. 507 first-class games, 36,000 first-class runs. Um, and look, I think some of the tales about him as well, and I was lucky enough, he was, he's one of my first memories of Test cricket, that kind of 91 era. Um, England-West Indies was a series in the summer there. Um, and then I, I think seeing him play for Glamorgan, um, he'd been at Somerset for a long time, great friends with Ian Botham. There's some really good tales, you know, one of him playing against a guy called Greg Thomas who um, bowled him a couple of bounces, gave him a sledge, it's five and a half ounces, it's round and it's red. Um, Richards hit him into a river and said, you know what it looks like, go and find it. <laughs> um, so it's some of those things that really just sort of stand out for me. And then just the, the fact I've written down three words for each of these. I wish I'd have started doing that at the top of the, the, the top of the hundred, actually. But I've just written down here, coolest cricketer ever. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's just that swagger and that 
um, you know, that ability to literally, I know it's a cliche, but he emptied bars, right? Um, people would have just come and, and watched him immediately. So, oh man, what a legend. Mm. I know you're not, uh, you know, paying homage to the stats there, but I did actually go through the stats because I love looking at these stats and I like, you know, being able to pick stuff out and, the word I've got down here for Viv Richards is just consistency. Mm. He's a picture of consistency everywhere he went. Averaged 49.7 at home, 50.5 away. Mm. Uh, he's Against the five countries he played against, the only blip I could really find was that he only averaged 19 against New Zealand in New Zealand. But overall, he still averaged over, well over 40 against New Zealand in his career. But uh, it's just, just an incredible picture of consistency. It didn't matter where he was playing, scored runs all over the shop. Mm. And just to, just to highlight the dominance that he had at one point in time, I mean, we, we think about the great year that Joe Root had last year. How many hundreds did Joe Root get last year? Six? Something like that? Five or six? Might have been more than that, yeah. Um, so 1976, Viv Richards played 11 tests, had 19 bats, scored 1,710 runs in a calendar year, mm. had 291 as his highest score, 700s, 550s, averaged 90 in that calendar year with 11 tests. So just, look, he was one of the most dominant players of his era, if not of all time. I, I agree with you, Adam. I think he's the coolest cricketer ever. I don't, I don't think there's... Are there any debates around that? There are a few more West <laughs> Indians. anybody mentions another West Indian and says that he's cool out I don't, yeah. <laughs> Viv Richards, I, I think he's I the I watched coolest. a couple of interviews with him, actually, and I, I took two things away. The first one is he basically lets you know that he's one of the best cricketers of all time without actually saying it, mm -hmm. which is actually a skill. And also, he just had that gravitas. You talked about it, owning a cricket field. You just want to follow that. He was a natural leader and mm. someone you wanted to follow. It was 100%. incredible. Yeah, and never lost a series as captain. And yeah, like, like you guys said... If there are any younger cricketers that are listening to this and, and haven't actually seen Viv, you, you've got to go and get on the highlights. You know, Raj mentioned how enjoyable that was. I did the same thing. And when you're watching him, it's he turns every ball almost into a half volley or a half tracker because of his footwork as mm. well. You know, and that's something that probably goes a little bit unnoticed. But he just sort of starts walking down the wicket to turn to turn everything, and suddenly he's just smashing it all over the park, and it's it's so good to watch. And, and what's most awe inspiring to me is he played like. Lily and Thompson and all of these great fast bowlers wearing a cap. Mm. Like, and he got hit in the cap once and just picked his cap back up, put it back on his, and, and then hooked the next one off his. He's just an incredible, incredible cricketer. Just incredible. Awesome. Well, look, we could probably have done with another three minutes on, on Viv Richards. We touched a little bit on that captaincy record. So, captain of West Indies from 84 to 91, I think. And um, as you said, Lippy didn't lose a series, 27 wins out of 50 games as captain, which. Um, yeah. Then incredible at that time, absolutely with the amount of draws that you know would have been in, in that as well. Let's move on though. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna move to South Africa for number six on the list. Bordy, who have we got here? So we're gonna look at a couple of all rounders in the next segment of the Hall of Fame, and we're going to start with South Africa's Jux Callis. So 166 Test matches for Jux Callis for South Africa, 13,289 runs at 55.37, 45 Test hundreds. I think that's the second highest ever, highest score of 224, and 292 test wickets at 32.6 and a strike rate of 62, five fifers. Uh, three good years as a batter, one excellent, eight outstanding, five good years as a bowler, two excellent, one outstanding. Fair to say he was a better batter than he was a bowler, but, you know, two excellent and one outstanding years as a bowler over 19-year career. Uh, and just incredible, absolutely incredible career as a batting all-rounder for South Africa. I want to open this straight up to the the other two in the room because we, we before we uh, started recording, 
we were talking about, you know, the order of these three players that were coming up. And it seems to me like we have two very distinct uh, opinions in this room of, of where Jacques could be. I don't know who wants to, to open it up, but certainly one suggested he's maybe a bit too high here and the other is a, a huge fan and thought maybe he should be even higher. Yeah, so look, I've got two people pointing at me, so um, <laughs> I'll talk for a second. I'll probably open up and look, I, I'm going to piss off a lot of listeners and, and probably quite a few South African listeners particularly. <laughs> um, my three words for Callis are dull but good. <laughs> and and look, I I guess I don't want to take away from from that record, Baldy. You're going to throw words at me like an average above replacement player, um, and some of these other acronyms that you've made up with your with your algorithm. But but ultimately, I think when I look at it, um, yes, his stats are, are fantastic. Averages fifty five. The, the wickets that he took as well. He was certainly towards the end of his career a bit more of a reluctant bowler. And I also felt as well as a batter when we went through that list of strike rates. Uh, I, I did this as a comparison, really, not just of Callis and, and Viv Richards, but I wanted to see where they sat on the, the pantheon of, of, of test match batters. And Smith's, uh, sorry, Callis's strike rate, 46. He didn't really ever destroy you. He ground you down um, and kind of bored you to death. But I, I just wonder whether or not the ability that he had, particularly when you look at his one-day record, um, often batting at the top of the order in the one-day game, where he, he did try and dominate on occasions, I just wonder whether he could have translated that more into his, his test career and, and been a more dynamic player. So I think for me, the, the eye test in terms of his uh, technique, absolutely there. There's no doubt about that. Um, I just wouldn't have left the bar to watch him where I definitely would leave the bar to watch the other two that we're going to talk about today. So I guess when we talked about Kumar Sangakara, I said that he was the second most underrated player in, 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 in test or in cricket history, I'll say. This man, Jack Callis, is actually the most underrated player in, in, in cricket. It, it's hard to actually grasp the scale of his numbers. So like, for example, Steve Smith, modern giant of the game, right? Mm. He Callis has scored fifteen more hundreds and scored and fifteen more hundreds and taken two hundred and fifty more wickets than him. Mm. He's got forty five hundreds overall, and he played at the time of McGrath, Warren, Morley, and, and Chris Martin. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's no joke against South Africa because Chris Martin dominated. He South did Africa. play well against South Africa, yeah. Very to be fair, but his, I'm not the Coldplay guy. Okay, I'm with you now. Yeah, <laughs> his numbers are actually that of like an absolute absolute Adonis in that regard. Mm. He's the only cricketer in history history of cricket to score 10,000 runs and take 250 wickets in both test and one day cricket Holy just from a scale shit. perspective and overall aggregate 25,000 runs at 49.1 and 577 wickets at 32 including 2020 cricket that mm. did play towards mm. the end just the scale is incredible he, he also took 200 catches as well so yeah a real three dimensional player but even just hearing those stats bores me it's it's funny, isn't it? It's it he he is an incredible, incredible cricketer, but he does have this knock on him that he is boring. I mean, I wrote down here he is so dependable and so consistent, it almost felt like you just expect him to score somewhere between fifty five and sixty and take three wickets every game. You know what I mean? Like he would score a hundred every two games or something like that. You know, like it was just so consistent that 
you almost felt like watching Jacques Callas. Oh, Jacques Callas just does that. He just gets 100 or he just gets three or four wickets every time he plays. Whereas you watch a player like Richards, for example, and Richards will get 190 in a session or something. No, not that much, but, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you feel like watching Richards was an event, but watching Jacques Callas is, is you know, a... I'll, I'll, like you say, you probably have to come away from the bar for three or four days to watch Shark Callis bat, whereas you could come away from the bar for a session to watch Richard's bat. But you have a look at his numbers. I mean, 2007, he averaged 86 with the bat and 25 with the ball. That's a plus minus of plus 61. That's quite handy. For a, cal- for a whole calendar year. I mean, he was plus 22 in his career. Only one other player has ever done that. The, the, it is funny. It, and I think it's, uh, it's something that has happened when we've uh, gone through this Hall of Fame and we've talked about all these different players because, you know, top of the thing on my list as well is when have you typed Jacques Callis into YouTube? You know, like, actually, I've, I've never done it. I've never gone and thought, okay, well, let's go and watch some Jacques Callis highlights. Mm. I'm sure some South Africans are doing that because, they're you know, he was an amazing player for them. But, yeah, as a neutral, he's not someone that I, I will ever probably look at again, you know, in terms of... And, and unless I sort of stumble across him because of that style, but it's hard to kind of weigh that up in terms of the ability because the numbers are just, they are so staggering, as you guys have said. They are, they are straight staggering. I did find one anomaly. In 2011, he averaged 232 with the ball. So be happy with, with that. <laughs> but also, he if you have a look at the current South African side, if you slotted someone like... I guess what I'm trying, I'm like, you just slot him into any team, I guess. What I'm trying to point out is I don't think that South African cricket has really recovered from losing a giant like this. Like, mm. they've, they've got an incredible bowling lineup. They've got a not so great batting lineup, but they have had a good batting lineup at times. Mm. They're probably missing someone who straddles both, and they haven't really found that. At 100%. He also makes the players around him better. Like, I, I ask you, how much better did he make Hashim Amla and players like that batting around him? Because he was just so consistent. He formed partnerships with those players. He didn't let South Africa lose two quick wickets in, in a space of time. And, you know, players like Amla and Ashwell Prince and all those other guys who batted with him, I think were made better by his presence. And, you know, you're, you're right. I, I, I don't think I would ever go to YouTube if I was late at night and had a couple of whiskeys and look for Jacques Callis. But if I had to have someone bat for my life, yeah, Jacques, Jacques Callis would be in the team, I would imagine, in terms of in terms of players that you'd want batting for your life. Well, yeah, well, you're talking about him. You know, the words you're sort of saying now are like the same conversation we had about Dravid, right, when mm. we were talking about Rahul Dravid. And then you add 300 wickets onto that as well and, and more runs than Dravid and more wickets and things. And, and hundreds. And, yeah, and I think your point there about the stability and, and all of that stuff that he provided for South Africa, you look through their rec- the record of when he played, you know, what did he play? 160-something tests. They won 82 of those tests, you know, lost, lost 42, drew 42. So that's a very good record for any side that's not Australia at that time. Mm. So, you know, I think you have to actually bump him up as well because of that. I mean, they had they had a very good side. They had quality bowlers and, and all so that stuff. You only stuff, lost 40 tests, are you telling me? 40-odd tests? Only 42. lost 40 tests wow. from, from 160 and, and one half of his tests, which is really, really good, I think, mm. if you look at, you know, the course of history for, for a lot of these excellent, excellent players. So yeah, we think about that that era, India were good, Australia were good, West Indies were good in patches, uh, England were good in patches. Like t- Pakistan were good in patches. Pakistan had Wasim and Wakar in that in that era. So, you know, he played some excellent, excellent cricket sides. And to score forty five hundreds is just incredible performance. And you know, you could put him 
anywhere in the top 10. And I think people would argue that he's underrated. I think you put anywhere in the top 10. And I think some people would argue that he's overrated. I think he's divisive without being a divisive character. Mm. We'll move on. And look, I guess just a good job. We don't have an alternate universe where we play timeless tests at Raul Pindi. Because <laughs> oh uh, I think Callis would still be batting now if that was the case. <laughs> Let's move on to the third person and final person we're going to talk about on today's list, slotting in at number five, another cricketing sir from the West Indies. Won't take too many guesses to figure out who we're talking about, Bordy, but put us out of our misery. I'm so looking forward to this one. This is this I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. Let's talk about Sir Garfield Sobers. Played 93 matches for the West Indies, 8,032 runs at 57.78, and in those 93 test matches, he scored 2,600s and a higher score, a famous higher score of 365 not out. He also took 235 test wickets at 34.04, including six fifers, bowling left arm pace and left arm finger spin and left arm wrist spin. So he could do it all. Sir Garfield Sobers. He captained the West Indies, of course, famously. Um, a great all-round cricketer. So six outstanding years with the bat and two Bradman years. So he had two years averaging over uh, 100, although admittedly one of those was 1967 where he only had two bats, got 169 runs uh, and didn't get out. Uh, so he had an average of 169, running got out once. Uh, and also in 1958, where he scored 1,299 runs at an average of 144 in 13 bats. So that's a reasonable record. Um, let's have a look. Some of the other stats, uh, plus minus uh, in terms of his bowling versus batting, plus 23.7. Is uh, that the best? That's the best, yep. Callis is the second best. The only guys that are above plus 22. Uh, Sobers at plus 23.7 and then uh, and then colour slightly behind him. He's got the fifth highest AARP with the bat, the plus 16.28. So he's 16 runs better on average than any of his peers. Um, so just an incredible, incredible So that means, that means for, for listeners who haven't been clued in on this, that means that the players at that time, mm-hmm. averages were lower, right? Yep. So of the top six who batted for more than 30 innings during the course of Garfield Sober's career, so it's only, you know, comparable top six batters who batted more than 30 innings, so no outliers, he was on average 16 runs better than everybody, well, on average. It's um, it's funny, the, the first thing I wrote on my list for, for Sober's was, He's like a club pro in the UK that just turns up and can kind of, you know, says, oh, yeah, I can bowl a few overs. I can bowl I can bowl some spin. I can bowl some pace. I'll open the bowling and then I'll come back and bowl my spinners and I'll bat four and all this sort of stuff. But he's actually good at all those things, which is just staggering because, yeah, when you go, you know, when you go and play that kind of cricket, usually the club pro's bowling these terrible offies or whatever. But, yes, yeah, Sobers, mm. it's, it's amazing. Another sort of masterclass when you're actually looking through those highlights. I'm actually grateful that we have the ability to see those highlights. Oh, yeah. um, I was watching back through and watched the Sobers where he hit the six sixes in the over in the first class county ch- Was it called the county championship? Yeah. Then, so yeah, the county so championship. Against Glamorgan, yeah. yeah. The first thing I took from that, it was, it was hilarious that there was a first slip in there the whole time for that, for that spinner. <laughs> but secondly, and it's similar to Richard's, you mentioned in, in Richard's, just imagine the carnage that these guys could have caused with a modern bat. They would have just run out of run out of backup balls. I don't know what mm-hmm. what they would have done. And I guess one thing that actually made me a little bit sad, if we're getting a bit emotional in this episode of the Top Water Podcast, is there are some really great cricketers that have come out of that group of countries, the West Indies. Oh, yeah. Where where have those 
great gone. Uh, they just have kind of fallen off a little bit. But mm. these were some really incredible players mm. the West Indies have had. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I look at Garfield Sobers, right? And he's a top 10, like algorithm-wise, he was a top 10 batter, top 10, and a top 100 bowler, all wrapped into the same player. There are very, very few cricketers that are able to achieve that. Um, we talked about Cullis's dominance. What did I say? He was plus 60-something in, in his peak year, 2007. Uh, 1966, Sobers averaged 99.44 with the bat, 24 with the ball. So he was plus 75 in that year. No one's come close to that. Mm. I just an incredible cricketer. Like if you put together who's averaging 24 at the moment, like a, I was going to say Scott Boland, but if you put together <laughs> a Mitchell Stark, so he averaged in that year he averaged better than Mitchell Stark and better than Steve Smith in the same player. Just an incredible, incredible cricketer. What, why why is he not high, actually? Because I know, yeah, we've got two bowlers and then two batters to, to round out. But these got, you know, he's done, I mean, it's same as Callis, I guess. But for me, when I think about Sobers and, and when we talked about Richards, it's that these guys have something special. And, and I don't, you know, it's the something special that I think tips them over the edge. And this guy could, like he talked about, I, I watched, there's a, a good ESPN doco that's, uh, you know, history of cricket or whatever, and it's a Sobers episode. And, it, yeah, he talked about just want, or or they talked about him just wanting to be out there, wanting to, like he'd go and field in close because he wanted to be by the action. He'd, he'd come on to bowl because he wanted to be in the action. He just wanted to make something happen and, and do something. And I just feel like he had that something special. And, mm. and obviously the four players that we're going to talk about higher have that as well. But mm. he had both, right? He had ball and bat. 100%. And you know what? You can put if you put a caveat around best ever, best something ever, um, most dominant ever, best you know left hander ever. You could of any of the guys that we've spoken about tonight, and any of the guys in the top four. You put a, a small caveat around their name, and you could say best ever, right? In my view, Sir Garfield Sobers is the best all around cricketer that we've ever seen. Right, if you if you take into account batting and bowling, he is the best all around cricketer I think we've ever seen, and the four that shade him on the on the one to four spots don't shade him by very much, but they were slightly better batters and bowlers, and and you know had some had some other levels of greatness about them. Um, whereas Sir Garfield Sobers, if we were just picking one all rounder and the greatest team of all time, I think there's a, a debate. But I think that's pretty close to being my pick for greatest all-round cricketer ever. If you think about how many strings he had to his bow. Yeah, and look, I'm, there's probably a debate how many words this is, but I've just written down the greatest all-rounder. Um, I, I, I think as well, you look at the longevity piece, and we, we've talked about that throughout the course of this list, a 20-year career, um, test career. And I think if you look at that, played a lot of games in the context of 93 test matches, mm. but... It, we've just looked at two guys that have had similar length careers. Callis played 166 games. Um, the Master Blaster, Viv Richards, 121 games. Transpose that onto someone like Gary Sober's career and see where those stats would have been. A, a, a staggering 1,043 first-class wickets, 86 first-class hundreds. Mm. Um, to go along with that, you know, that test record. And one of my abiding memories is actually Brian Lara breaking that 365 record. And the game stopped and literally Gary Sobers walked onto the pitch um, and they, you know, he, he, he embraced him. Um, and you could see not only how, how proud he was and, and the sort of joyousness of the occasion that a West Indian had broken 
his record, but also just tipped a little bit to his legacy mm. um, as a you know a West Indian cricketer that I you know I think obviously got you know knighted for his services to the game and all all that kind of stuff. Just the an absolute again we're in the the legend status aren't we now in the mm. in the final seven or so but yeah the greatest all-rounder for me mm. it's um a, there's a couple of uh, well I'll, I'll pull out the stat that i really liked to start with the the uh in a win tie or draw he averaged 70 with the bat so and then you know you take it to his, a loss his average is 20 27 so you can see, I like those stats because they show you how significant someone is for, for, for their, their team, team, right? Mm. And, I mean, the, that difference, you know, I haven't I haven't run those numbers, but that, that is huge, mm. you know? That, that shows you exactly how good he is. The other thing that I picked up from that doco is that he talked about how much he liked going out at night. And he didn't mention drinking. He, he was talking about, you know, going to operas and shows and dances and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and uh, the way he talked about it was like, I love doing that. And I want what I want. I never want that to be an excuse. So every time I go out at night, I make sure that I perform, you know, absolutely brilliantly the next day, so that I can keep up this lifestyle. And How no brilliant. one can say to me, no one can say to me, don't go out because uh, you know you'll be a much better cricketer because I'm going to make sure I'm the, I'm doing as best as I can after those big nights out, which is awesome. Well, I know me and Bordy are definitely going to take that mantra mm. into Saturday, aren't we? We mate? need to go and watch more opera. Is that is that what you took out of it? Um, I, that wasn't what I took okay, out of sure. it, but you, yes, let's agree to differ on that. Okay. Um, that does wrap up this episode of the Cricketing Hall of Fame. As we said, we're into the legend tier. I'm not sure whether that's what you've called it, Baldy, but it's pretty close. Uh, we're pretty close to that. We are going to uh, count down in pairs now. So uh, we're into the Noah's Ark tier on the next two episodes. <laughs> two by two, we'll count down the next four um, down from four Hurrah. to one. Hurrah. And that will be up in your podcast feed very, very shortly. But thanks for listening to this episode of the Cricketing Hall of Fame. And we'll see you very shortly on other episodes of the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Good night. Good night.